You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. And, and it's not an investigation. This was more of a bringing a, a major news event to light and thinking of a creative way of doing that. And that was the legalization, the national legalization of marijuana in Canada. So pot is legal everywhere across the country. And you guys got fire butt up there, bro. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's like fucking everything. fluorescent, like hurts my eyes, like special Canada <laughs> battery. Bun. So I had to think of a creative way to be able to tell this story. And Tommy Chong, I thought would be, he's the pot pioneer. Like if there's one guy that really drove home the movement, he got arrested. He went to jail because of it. He's Canadian. So I, you know, I spent a bit of time with him, documented his life, him and Cheech and Chong. It's an interesting story. It's called The Pop Pioneer. Welcome to another episode of 2020. I'm Benny Goodman here with my cohorts in crime, Siobhan Cronin and Corey Peza. What's going on, guys? Not much. Have you subscribed yet? Did you subscribe? 2020-D.com. I'm pulling a Benny this week. All the cool kids are doing it. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's almost as healthy as cigarettes. <laughs> so with that said, <laughs> let's move on to something way more healthier with, you know, better health care for sure. Uh, Canada. <laughs> Up there in Canada, there's a guy named Paul Haber making really amazing documentaries, uh, bringing as... I want to say non-biased news, but this is biased news. So saying it's non-biased is kind of a biased thing to say. But if there is such thing as non-biased news, it's from Paul. Hayden. I think ethical would be a good way. He, he, he's fighting for the little guy. It seems. Yeah. To be yeah. He tells us a lot more about his process as like an investigative journalist, TV guy. But we also get into a lot more discussion about like differences between the U.S. and Canada. A lot of different you know, nuances between the news station. So interesting to hear from a guy that actually works in news yeah. and some of his opinions on what goes on. We tackled some adult topics in this episode. It's really weird. We it's did. weird for us. Like like big boy, like we're actually talking about important things instead of like what guitar picks we should be using. <laughs> it was nice though, because it was like a positive conversation that was non-confrontational, but still very Again, informative. It's surprising a nice conversation. That a, that a Canadian brought that out in us. So <laughs> but, Paul Haber part two and if you haven't subscribed already up there in canadian land or at wherever the fuck you may be 2020-d.com like it subscribe it smash it we said it sorry part two Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of 2020. And I just got 2020 on our last episode because my internet decided to fritz out. So hopefully everyone heard me. But anyway, I'm here once again. I'm Siobhan Cronin with my cohorts, Benny Goodman. Hello there, Siobhan. I'm so glad you're back. Way, way to savor that time. And Corey Peza. <laughs> Thank you, Siobhan. Glad to be here. I won't leave the dead air and, and give a panic attack to the TV it's guy. It's fine. As Ben says, you'll just edit that out anyway. <laughs> and once again, we're back for part two with our incredible guest, Paul Haber, Canadian friend, producer, TV creator. So many interesting stories that you told us in the first half. Part one, if you haven't checked it out, please go back, listen to it, listen to what he has to say, subscribe, of course, to 2020. 
2020-D.com. We have a lot of amazing guests, but super excited to dive into part two with our wonderful guests today. So welcome back for part two. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So the the last at the end of the last part there, we were, we were kind of starting to talk about, you know, what you're doing now, which is the investigative journalism. Yes. And and what I think would be really interesting is if you could take us through kind of step by step the process that goes, you know, from the inception of an idea through the final broadcast, uh, just to kind of give people a glimpse of what goes into something like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I guess if you were listening to part one, you know that this, the stuff that I do now. Hopefully is very... they subscribe, Paul. That's such yes. a good call. I hope they subscribe. I hope they already know all the aforementioned information. But if they don't, they should stop this now. Go back to 2020-D.com and watch Paul Haber's first episode. Where Did we... I not do a good enough job of this? Part, in my no, but we, should, we need, listen, you got to tell them <laughs> to the point where we're all annoyed by it because it's called operant conditioning. Exactly. And that's why I brought it up. Just, uh, you know, a little extra, a <laughs> little, little, little extra push. There's a Pavlovian uh, reference, which I appreciate. Because yeah. Canadians are actually intelligent because they call it, you know, they're in university as opposed to going to school. <laughs> that's, a, that's actually a big difference. Like, you guys go to college. We, we, it's, for us, it's always called university. Right. So, I think everywhere else it's the same. America yeah. so wants so to elite, need to have so their own elitist. system. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so the stuff that I do is very different than say your local one minute and a half newscast. And, and it takes a lot, a lot of, a lot of work to, to, to make one of our stories happen because we're dealing with sometimes very delicate matters, victims, a lot of legal issues that, you know, one slip up and we're sued a lot of money. If we, if we make a mistake, that's is a it lucky. The Canadians problem. don't really sue that much. They sue for that stuff. <laughs> you know, if you if you make a mistake. So there's still you, Jews in Canada. <laughs> it's well, it's it's everywhere. Like, and it's, also imagine that you're you're up against corporations at times as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So one hundred percent. They love to sue. <laughs> they do. So if you're calling somebody out, you need to be one hundred and ten percent right in everything you do. So yeah. that's takes a lot of extra time, a lot of extra steps. So basically, you know, if we're, if we're doing an investigation, we usually start with a victim, find the people that have been harmed the most by this and talk to as many people as you can to hear as many stories as you can. And from that group, you take a select few that could really emotionally tell their story. You get their stories down pat, you film their stories, you film parts of their life. And then you go after the people that harm them. And, you know, you got you to gotta be fair in how you do that. If somebody's making accusations, I always reach out to people and, and, and say, hey, people are accusing you of this. You need to provide a response. Because if not, then it's, it's everything that they say, and I don't have a response from you. So that's called fair, fair journalism is... I need to I need to reach out as hard as I can to anybody I accuse of. Is that a weird feeling sometimes where you're calling someone and it's like this person's being accused of rape or double homicide? Yeah. You're like, hey, is John home? Is he is Ed Gein around? Uh, Mrs. Gein? You know, like, what? I have no problem doing stuff like that. I have I have zero issue confronting people. Who was the craziest fucker you called and confronted? <laughs> 
it's it's a this is actually a really weird and funny story um furnace fraud i don't know if you have this people like, <laughs> what <laughs> people that people, people that don't know but there's furnace fraud I've because canadians really tell news yes so and and honestly these these it's door-to-door salesmen door-to-door salesmen Those fuckers exactly especially in a covid world so but this is going back this is going back five or six years but mm-hmm. and, and actually since then the laws have changed because of stuff that we've done door-to-door is amazing yeah so there there was a lot of unscrupulous door-to-door salesmen that would target elderly people who don't fully understand target new immigrants and you know knock on the door say we're here to do a furnace inspection they go down and do an inspection they sh- they you know they tell them that there's a little bit of a gas leak they tell them how inefficient it is so on and so forth they scare the shit out of them and make them buy into a brand new furnace that you have to pay for yeah we'll make it 20 bucks a month for the next 30 years type of thing. so they own you in perpetuity for right they own you in perpetuity and and it goes beyond that it goes deeper than that because the contract that you sign the fine print gives them access to your house as collateral shut the fuck up crazy so you're so, one. I love the fact that you just made me go from being like, what the fuck is up with furnaces to like, yes. wait, they're stealing houses from old people by getting them in on pyramid schemes by in, lying about their furnaces and then having them yeah, sign power Exactly. So yeah. they put liens on people's houses who stop paying, which means they own a, you can't sell your house if there's a lien on it. You can't do anything if there's a lien on it. And that this le- is a free country here. I can do whatever I want, Paul. You, not if there's a lien. Maybe, maybe be in Canada. <laughs> not if there's a lien. I think even the U.S. If yep. there's a lien on your I'm house, with you. you're screwed. So people just don't realize that this was happening. And it, it was pretty rampant. And again, they target people that don't understand. They target people where, yeah, you could smell, smell that little bit of gas coming from there. Or, you know, just do small things. Show them a pipe that... This is old pipe. This should be new pipe type of thing. Don't worry. We'll, we'll fix this for you. We could do this for like 20 bucks a it's month. It's like when you walk into McDonald's, you order something that's not on the menu, but you point were, were at these it. people right. that were just like unsolicited, like just showing up at your door? I guess door-to-door salesmen, they just show up unannounced. They just, they just show up. Yeah. And, and if they could get in, all they need to do is get through your front door and they could convince you. So, wow, you know, and, and, a lot of these people, a lot of these sales, the salespeople, they knew what they were doing. They for sure knew what they were doing, but they were working underneath levels mm-hmm. of other so people. So they're like the SS soldiers, and then there's a Hitler somewhere. Yeah. They, yeah. So who's so, the Hitler of Versus? And, and I found, I was able to find like a binder that gave them all their sales tactics mm-hmm. on how to lie. So I was able to fully expose the whole operation. That's great. Wow. Fully yeah, expose everything. What is, everything. What is, what is the... Like? What does the investigative process look like for that? Like, how do you plan out how you're going to uncover all the elements of this story? So, you know what? Some, sometimes it unfolds in real time. You know, obviously, you know, not instantaneously, but over the span of weeks or months, you know? So you, you, you find your victim. You find out what the company was that, that did this whole agreement. You find out who the salespeople were. You find out who they work for. You find out the shell companies. You have to do tax records. You have to look through court documents. You have to, 
dig through a tremendous amount of stuff to find that main guy that you want to go after. When you're doing something like that uh, and you come across something uh, potentially criminal, um, mm-hmm. what kind of obligation or relationship do you have with law enforcement in that regard? Good question. And you know what? I haven't, I haven't come across that. If I, mm. you know, if, if, if I did find something like morally, I would, I would, I would go to the authorities without a doubt. Sure. But typically when it comes to stories like that, we would be working with an authority to, you know, to, we would have that information from them already. It's very rarely that, you know, we will uncover. So did you find like the a, Kaiser Sosea furnaces and did you have to confront him or I did. her? I, so I did. And, and that's getting back to like, you know, a time that where I felt sketched out where I, like I <laughs> sometimes didn't feel safe. There are times where you, you just don't feel safe on these things. And, you know, like I have to keep. Is that a regular my, thing in Canada? Yeah, it's not a regular thing, but there's bad people everywhere. <laughs> you know, there's always people that will try and, and get you no matter what, wherever you are. So, you know, you do a bit more digging and it turns out that, you know, there's some mafia involvement in the top levels. And that's when oh, I was geez. like, okay, <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous. You don't here, want to disappear. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. But you know, I kept pushing on, I kept pushing and I, you know, you make the phone calls and try to get them to talk and nobody talks and you leave it at that, but you expose what they were so doing. Did you leave it? Yeah. If you, you know, ultimately if nobody's going to talk to you, we show up, we showed up at their offices with the cameras rolling we knock mm-hmm. on the door, they see the cameras, they don't open the door. You know, there's, there's times when we wait for them to come out for hours. They run away from the camera. So is there some Canadian mobster that wants you dead? <laughs> Not anymore. There may have been, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, that, that story is, uh, it's, a while, I, but it's just an example of yeah. the digging you have to do. You start from the victim typically and you work backwards and, and you know, you uncover all the peels like you keep just keep peeling layers Wait, off. why don't you think they're after you anymore <laughs> i don't know i don't think they are <laughs> is it just because you think there's too much time i just don't think they care <laughs> okay <laughs> fair enough well when it a question for you when it when it comes to telling the story i imagine that the editing process and how it's edited together has a huge impact on how it turns out i'm wondering how involved are you in the editing side of things and you know the actual cutting of the film and you know, scene to scene, because right. you can create a vastly different story depending on what material you choose to move to use. Ab- absolutely. So uh, again, that's where our sort of team works in conjunction. We have, we have an on-air reporter. That's the person, you know, who fronts the story. I'm behind the scenes and, you know, everybody has different ways of working, but typically we collaborate in script writing. We write the scripts and we, we have everything together. And we have, we have editors that are on staff with us. And we, at that point, we give, them our, our, we give them what we feel we want to get on air and then make it come to life. But I'm, I'm, I'm in the process every step of the way. Yeah. With, with something like that um, and just coming from a, an editing background, yeah. with most journalism, there's, uh, there's a high, you know, you have to be ethical with your edit because you could potentially change a narrative um depending on how you put it together uh how cognizant are you of that and like it's one of those situations that you see often in uh in like fictional you know 
newsroom dramas where they're like, oh, well, he he almost said what we wanted him to say. But if we just omit this, you know, we could kind of give that impression. So in terms of that, how how on top of of the the preservation of the original intent are you? Oh, 100 percent. I, you know, like. I would never splice uh, do this to kill yeah. this guy. We do that all the time in this yeah. podcast. So. <laughs> yeah. My head bobs around a lot to yeah. save myself from being indicted. Yeah. There's that, That's just a basic ethics. Yes. In, 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 in my point of view, in our show, we adhere to those, to those codes of conduct. Is that a Canadian thing too? It should be every journalist, tell you the truth. Should be. Should be, but, yeah. but is it? I guess okay. As an outsider, as someone that's you know uh, moonlit over here in the good old Uncle Sam, um, do you do you think that there's a lack of ethics? Do you think that there are people out there doing getting it right? And like, if so, like who's getting it right around here? And if you're in the United States, how the fuck do we act? In your opinion, how should we get our news so that we could be? Uh, at least informed so we can decide then where our bigotry and racism kind of <laughs> fall into play. Right. So I, I'm not, I'm not a, like, I'm, I'm familiar. I don't get your seven. I don't get your six o'clock news, your 11 o'clock news. I don't get your NBC. I, I never understand news. it either. It's fucking ridiculous. So like, I don't know why this is caused by cancer, but I drink the orange juice. Yeah. But in, in my opinion from, you know, I think those newscasts are legit. Those newscasts are what you should be believing in is is like the network national primetime news. They're still with piss and vinegar. They're hungry. I, I, I don't watch enough American like those type of newscasts to know. I'll watch more of the CNN just because it's a talk show or, you know, Fox and just see the craziness that's going on. Cause that's, it's been a like Rush Limbaugh dying. I mean, how it's, sad can 2021 <laughs> possibly be? It's a soap opera. It really has been a soap opera. And you know, a CNN used to be one of the best in the world. Like they it has were, changed a lot. I, I noticed cause I didn't watch for years. And then I, it was on, my mom had it on like, you know, a couple of weeks ago and I'm like, Oh my gosh, the amount of opinion that's being <clears throat> infused into this is way more than it used to be. Right. It really is. It's like, it's almost comedy really. It's right. like, yeah. Right. And, and, and I think that's where you need to make the distinction is you have to be educated enough to, to know that that's opinion versus the news. And you need a variety of right. sources. You need to, yes. you need to, you know, do your own due diligence and make sure that even if you're getting somewhat, you know, tainted information, if, as long as you check a number of places, you can kind of make a consensus. Well, you know, what's a really a good way idea. to do it. I recommend going on Netflix and watching like the last 15 comedy specials and extrapolating the <laughs> yeah. subtext of all of those. And then that, kind you're of right. Find Absolutely. Because I find that it's really the comedians who are making all these funny jokes because people relate to them. But then they find out like, oh, yeah, you're stupid. Here's why you're stupid. Because one of the things that's funny is to point out to people why they're stupid and inform them with information. Like literally right. everything that Dave Chappelle says is like, well, here's actually how it is. And then he just makes fun <laughs> of everyone for not knowing things. So like that could be a really good thing for you because uh, we're all stupid here, Paul. I wouldn't say stupid. I think it's a lack of education. I think it's a yeah. lack of 
I think it's a lack of well it's so expensive to get educated well, the, uh, no well, a lack of the ability to research and find your own information i mean it's true like if people just had the, the we resources have youtube to siobhan know- we can research anything <laughs> no but it's yeah. something about the ability to filter out like you know i mean i feel like if i watch I have or a pop-up I read something, blocker <laughs> no but i know if i'm being like sold or emotionally manipulated by something but i think a lot of people don't and I think that's really hard. Like, how do you how do you give people the resources to know how to have like an objective view of what is really happening and to filter out like all the bullshit? The problem right. is the problem is people like hearing what they want to hear. So it's not right. even that they that they are they're not even completely unaware that it's bullshit. They're just like, oh, this I like this kind of this bullshit's nice. Well, that's so the I want to hear more of that. Shit you know? storm because CNN and Fox pander, and because yep. of their uh, their uh, diametric. Uh, oppositions they're able to to create the the dichotomy um, that panders to the hard right or to the hard left and because of that there is no venn diagram where there's a middle and that's kind of where i find a lot of the comedians are because they will say oh i don't believe in you know guns but like this is stupid about abortion you know what i mean where like you have one station that uh, that really does pander to this and the other one, and they're happy about it. They're synergistically surviving because the only way to create discourse that keeps uh, the attention span of an American long enough to tell any kind of story beyond 90 seconds is to feed upon hatred. That's it. Let's, let's talk about one of the best newscasts, Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, I agree. <laughs> I haven't but watched that week, in years, But who but, on Weekend Update? Yeah. Current Weekend Update? Are we talking yeah, like Kevin Nealon? You know what? Talk- I'm, I'm going to admit I'm still a bit of a Saturday Night Live fan. You know what? There's a lot of bad skits, but every now and then there's a good skit. I record it, watch it over the week. But the one thing I always go back to is a Weekend Update. Yeah. That's always a highlight of the show for me. Just <laughs> oh record it, watch it this week, and, and take a look at Weekend Update. We'll Paul, let me out. ask you a question about about audiences. So like we were talking about, you know, the news is very divisive in, in the U.S. And we've noticed at least, you know, on social media that people have gotten further and further divided based on probably a lot of the division in the news stations and their perspectives. Do you see that in Canada or does it seem like people are a little bit more united and on the same page in terms of their views of what's really happening in the world? It's, it's like night and day. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. You know, everybody. Like, so, what's the best way to explain this? Are you guys more like the United Provinces versus we're in the United States, but we're really not united. But no, we're are. the divided yeah. states. You're completely divided, <laughs> um, right? So we're the divided states, and you're the United Provinces, right? Yes, that we do have Canada. we ha- we have our political differences, one hundred percent. Excuse me, but I think there's an understanding between everybody, and there's like a common bond between everybody. There's not a black and white. You guys all like yeah. hockey and rush. We do. We hockey rush. You got it, Tommy Chong. Speaking oh, of yeah. Tommy Chong, yeah. in, uh, <laughs> don't you know Tommy? Not, not not to not to jump uh, on on the the question itself, but I I do want to make sure that for our for our listeners and viewers, at the end of the last episode, we left a cliffhanger where we we where where Paul was going to tell us the uh, one of the stickiest or or most interesting episodes for people to kind of check out to to kind of get a feel for what he does. So you want to let us know you know, the, the answer you came up with. So yeah, just a quick answer on that. And, and it's not an investigation. This was more of a bringing a, a major news event to light and thinking of a creative way of doing that. And that was the legalization, the national legalization of marijuana in Canada. So pot is legal 
everywhere across the country. And you guys got fire butt up there, bro. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's like fucking everything. fluorescent, like hurts my eyes, like the special <laughs> Canada battery. <laughs> and, and it comes from British Columbia. Some of the best stuff in the, the world. BCs, the yeah. beasts. So I had to think of a creative way to be able to tell the story. And Tommy Chong, I thought would be, he's the pop pioneer. Like if there's one guy that really drove home the movement, he got arrested. He went to jail because of it. He's Canadian. So I, you know, I spent a bit of time with him, documented his life, him and Cheech and Chong. It's an interesting story. It's called the pot pioneer. Yeah. But okay. that, that's not, <laughs> Where can we find the pot pioneer? And, and you can find it on, on uh, YouTube. So just, you know, okay. you search up W5 official. You'll be able to see all of our investigations, all of our shows uh, available hundreds of them are available and you know search for a topic that interests you you know from murder mysteries to you you name it we we we've we've covered it so wow, so, ba- so back cool. back to the divisiveness in america is very divided and canada i would say is not mm-hmm. do you think the news does play a, a role in that or is that just more of a canadian thing like what would you attribute that to so so the uh, in my opinion, the news has played huge into the U.S., dividing more. But the one thing, like, and the one thing that I've throughout my life hanging out with Americans is, if you're a Democrat, you'll be a Democrat for the rest of your life and probably never change. And if you're a Republican, there's no way you will become a Democrat. It's it's very party line. I could correct me if I'm yeah, wrong. Sure. What I've noticed is, and it's it might change with our generation, but what it used to be, I forget who said it. They said something like, you know, if you're if you're not a Democrat when you're young, you're heartless, and if you're not a Republican when you're older, you're an idiot. Like it's like there's some saying like that, and I I don't know what it is. I'll look it up at some point. But it's kind of that idea that that Democrats have this idealism kind of outlook, but they're naive. And then you have Republicans, which are more, no, this is actually how the world is and it's how it's got to be. My question is, is it is it a British thing? Because I go back to the great philosopher, Roger Waters, who said, <laughs> together we stand, divided we fall. But then Roger Waters later in life becomes this anti-Semite, <laughs> anti-Zionistic, crazy fuckface. Um, you know, that likes to put swastikas <laughs> on his fucking stage as he lip syncs Pink Floyd tunes as Dave Gilmore donates to like saving the world um, as he slowly fades into oblivion with, uh, you know, Alzheimer's disease. So, like, is that weird to you, um, Paul, that like, you know, you listen to Pink Floyd growing up and like together we stand, divided we fall. But then the guy that wrote it, you know has uh taken the downhill but don't you feel like that's a metaphor for a lot of what you do yeah absolutely i think yeah you I say think so. one thing but then the truth is you're just a fucking angry old man with really crazy ideas Some and dave gilmore are. was awesome <laughs> and and i do love pink floyd i do love pink floyd so yeah it's uh it's a good philosophy it's an, it's, it's interesting but I, I, I've flip-flopped. I've gone liberal. I've gone, mm-hmm. I've got, I go back and forth. I go on who I feel will lead the country better, not on mm-hmm. abortion rules. That's I, I can't believe that's still uh, yeah. uh, something in, in your, ele- in, in your elections, but uh, you know, 
you mentioned like you, you said you flip flop, but you more like uh, it seems more like you're making decisions based on what's in front of you. Correct. As, like like so when people say flip flop, there's like this idea of like oh your entire belief system is now changed. Whereas no. I think it's more along the lines of you know being able to make a informed decision history, based yeah. based upon what is in front of you and the, and the fact that people aren't. 100% liberal, 100% conservative, mm-hmm. that there's there's different aspects of that. And it's almost, it's funny, because if you talk to anyone, if you have a conversation, like we're all having a conversation now, pretty much everyone is sitting there in that middle-ish area, you know, a little this way, a little that way. And there might be a few, you know, uh, topics that will set people off, but you really only see, there's only this image of a huge wide gap Right. Because of things like like the the network news opinion shows that make it seem like if you're not yelling at, at the, the person on the other side, you're not you don't you know you're not a real American. Well, it's also stuff like the miscommunication we have here, like saying defund the police. Because when someone says something like defund the police, they immediately think that that means we shouldn't have the police. Versus saying no, we want to reappropriate funds towards different task force it's not as catchy though that could <laughs> right. maybe help you in different yeah, ways yeah but that's the problem with with social the media worry that... about bullshit that they shouldn't right. be worrying about anyway because like they have other things to do than the bullshit that they're doing and that messaging's wrong yeah well a lot of the problem too at least in my perspective is that people don't want to con- spend as much time investing in consuming con- they want to see something in 10 seconds it's memeology it's like what's the hashtag the the byline and, who should and then I be it's like okay at? share sh- yeah share 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 and then it's well, like Google yeah all of a sudden who should be mad at very quickly <laughs> right but then all of a sudden people are sharing something and it's like the game of telephone by the end of the chain it's like the the last person doesn't even Your, know what the original intention was the yellow in journalism because what you do is like, again, you said you, you share something for Julian, not realizing it's a white lives matter thing. That's actually a hateful, uh, you right. know, uh, uh, horrible thing. But you're like, no, it's for a baby because you're just vapid and you find something that hits home and you're seeing like the little picture, but you don't see the Tyrannosaurus Rex behind the baby. Right. I think the, 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 the networks that are causing all this chaos should not be called news anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In your opinion, what do you see? Mm-hmm. Like, what could American news networks do? Or like, what is the turning point before, you know, because it, it could just run rampant and get out of control where it's like, where do you even it already is kind of out of control. Like, how can people turn it around to make like, do you return feel like, back to some level of objectivity? Like, do you feel like Fox is like the Montreal Canadians and that like <laughs> th- that maybe CNN's the Toronto Maple Leafs? And that the only way to understand the level of absolute stupidity that is just brought out in people, exercised like an evil fucking spirit, is to go when you see the the Montreal Canadiens versus the Toronto Maple Leafs and everyone's wasted at the end of that and they're fucking kicking each other's asses outside. Uh, that's I feel like that's like a, an allegory for what American news is like. Do you feel like that's a fair thing as a third party omniscient? It is. And and is there a solution to that? I don't have it. <laughs> I, like, Stop I, watching why not? hockey. The, the what question, are you here for? The, 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 the question you ask is like, I feel like everything's so divided that, you know, I, like, things will get better, I think, I hope. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah. I, don't have an, I don't have an answer to that question. I don't have an answer to they need they need to make money. Yeah, that's and true. They're well, making, taking, and they're making money. So they're not going to change. 
taking news out of it, you know, like I think about as an American, if you go to Boston or to New York or then you go to L.A. or Nashville, every the person that you meet in every city is so vastly different. As a yeah. Canadian, do you notice that? Because it's, you know, a comparably large country. Are Canadians more or less similar or do you notice massive differences depending Not- on their geographic Massive, area. Mass, massive, massive. East mm-hmm. coasters are so different to West coasters. Okay, so you have like, a similar thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Northerners, Southerners, different types. So it's kind of like oysters. Everything, absolutely. <laughs> East coast oysters. West you guys coast. are like mollusks. The West coast a little bit more salty. Because, like, I mean, I went up there one time and I tried Canadian bacon, and that's just a fucking lie. That's not bacon, bro. <laughs> it is if bacon. You, no, it's not. That's just fucking ham. That's very sad, sad it's ham. It's true. It, it, is, it is a part of the but ham. But it's the but way that it's prepared, though, you know. It's it just not bacon. Gordon <laughs> Ramsay probably has my back on this, and I guarantee you he's not American. He, he probably would have your back fully. You know, you guys so. are good on lots of things, but I mean, putting what are the, on um, everything's great. What are the, uh, the Canadian stereotypes as far as the regional uh, aspect? So, so before we get into that, I yeah. actually <laughs> asked you guys... If you had any Canadian stereotypes that you could sort of tell me about and, uh, you know, does anybody want to get started on that? Like, what is your. Do you find it ironic that Alanis Morissette won for uh, best debut record when first off that was her third record and her song Ironic was not (laughs) ironic whatsoever? I'm I'm an Alanis fan. And she toured with Vanilla Ice, another fucking famous um, Canadian born on Halloween, nonetheless. Did you know Canadian that? power. I did yeah. not know that. Um, I, but but here, what's what's a stereotype when you think of Canada? Maybe coming from Florida, you might even have even more. Because well, you know what's funny though. So I live in Florida now, but I'm originally from Michigan in Detroit. Okay. So uh, I was. I mean, not not that Windsor is Canada. I mean, it felt more like Detroit. But you know, we would Windsor. go into Canada all the time. You're but, uh, No, I mean. Right, under here. But I mean, no, my perspective was just that Canadians are similar to Midwestern, American Midwesterners, that very nice, like easy to get along with, chill, like love hockey. Like, if, like the culture, at least in terms of stereotypes, felt very similar to like Detroit people or Midwestern people. So yeah. that's my understanding of Canadians. Yeah, so true. I noticed that too. Like, you know, when you visit Minnesota, yeah. places, Michigan, upper, you know, upper peninsula. Same I'll, I'll tell you, I went three summers up to Montreal to watch uh, festivals because yes. you guys in Canada, I mean, and obviously it's COVID right now. So fuck everything. Cause we, I'd love to go, I'd go to a festival. Any, I go to Bonnaroo at this point. And I fucking hate that, that <laughs> thing, but you guys have the best, like uh, the best, like rock Montreal or, or the amnesia festival. It's like, you have Henry Rollins on one stage, but then it's Slipknot, but then it's corn, but then it's like, uh, you know, rancid. And like, it's, Unlike America, if you go to like Lollapalooza, where like if you're going from Lady Gaga to, you know, whatever, uh, Dead Mouse, right? Like you're in like a herd where like literally you're being moved by the crowd. And like if you're not tall enough, you could actually hyperventilate with the 107,000 people that are in Grant Park. But like in Montebello, Canada, it's fucking beautiful. All there is is cows. There's no light because there's literally no street lamps. It's like totally dark at night. So like when you're watching Slipknot or Meshuggah, it's fucking blinding. And everyone's very well-natured. All the weed is spectacular. And it's like everything's far enough apart. And even these super huge bands, it's not so big there where you feel claustrophobic. It's like... So Everyone's we do, we, we do cool. have a lot less people here. That's for sure. No, but I, it was... it's. Su- 
it's such a wonderful experience. But the one thing that was weird is one year I went up with my friend uh, Garrett and he's literally a, a bodybuilder. He's won all these uh, competitions around here. And people in Canada looked at the physical fitness of this man like he was something completely abnormal. Like if you go like in Hollywood, uh, California and walk down the street and you're jacked, you're just one of like every dude there. Like he, like you guys looked at him and I said, you guys, this is our bicep curl. Yeah, dude, (laughs) literally the fucking guards. I remember we were at a mega death mosh pit, right? And some kid pushed me and like my buddy Garrett comes in and literally just goes like this and he could bench over 450 pounds just goes like this and pushes a whole wall of people down by himself. And the guys that were there, like supposed to protect people were half his size. They're just like, I'm not fucking with this dude. <laughs> like in Canada, where it's here, like there's definitely dudes looking just to murder you, even if they're small, like very different disposition. People are very much more chill. I think. Yes. <laughs> what, why do you think that is? Like, is that just like how you're, everyone's raised or is it the lifestyle? Like, where does that come from? That's a good, that's a good amount question. of strip clubs. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, in Quebec, especially in Quebec, I, I absolutely love Quebec. I went to, I went to university there. I lived there for a good seven years. I absolutely love Quebec. And like the way of life there is you want to live your life. You want to enjoy life. Five o'clock every day, people didn't want to work overtime and people left People went for a drink after work. That was common practice, a very European way of living. Yeah. Which, yeah, like life is more important than certain those things. You don't need the most expensive car. You don't need the most, the biggest house. You just want to have, you know, you just rather be mentally happy. I think that might play into things a little bit. We've been yeah. hearing about this quality of life thing. It's, it's funny because so many of the successful people we've talked to Part of the success is because they do what they love, but it's because they're able to work so much and so intensely focus on it because it's building the quality of their life. So like you finding out about things, even though you say you're obsessive about it, it's like me talking about guitars. I'm obsessive about it. I literally will be like looking at guitars while I'm talking to people about like super important things because I'm obsessed. <laughs> so like when I talk to people and they and they ask me questions, it's like I have an absolutely abnormal understanding of that. But like that's about leveraging your strengths. And I have a real appreciation for someone like you who's Thank able you. to focus on the meta and the subtext and be able to extrapolate that and put it in a meaningful way where idiots like myself can smoke weed and go, wow, I learned something. (laughs) That's awesome. Corey, how about you? What's, what's your like, so to be, to, I guess to, to get the most information topically, I think that what I would like to hear about is uh, there's this huge issue amongst a lot of Americans with the, uh, with, in regards to uh, universal healthcare. Yes. So what does that look like and how has it ruined your life? You know what? I would say- Are those your real teeth? (laughs) These are my real teeth. I would say (laughs) it is probably the one, the the most important thing that makes us Canadian is that no matter how rich you are, no matter how poor you are, you'll be accepted in our medical system by the same doctor. So you- I, I, you know, so I've that's never, actually I, important because I feel like I voted no on number one, and like they said that that wasn't important. It's uh, you know, for, to me, 
you know, there, there are, there are some problems to the system. 100%. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect. It's definitely not perfect, but I've never had to take out my credit card ever to get medical care. You guys have credit cards up there in Canada? You do have credit cards. I take out a health <laughs> card and that charge, that charge goes right to the government. I never see a penny of anything. I could go to 50 doctors if I want. I would never abuse the system like that. But, you know, anything you need. It's funny you say that because I remember a vet. I, I met this vet at um, the Amnesia Rock Festival. And he was smoking me up on some fucking amazing fireweed. And he was telling me the government bought it for him. He goes, I literally, this, the government appropriates me weed. And I'm like, and that <laughs> took me a second. Wait, the government, because you, you served the government, you now have weed bought for you. Right. And I was trying to figure out like what synapses needed to fire in my brain to like make a correlation. And I still haven't been able to. Can you illuminate that for me? Is that a thing? Yes. If you have a prescription for it and you're covered, then it's it's considered it's considered a medication here. My prescription's for cowbell. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, to go but, to go. But you uh, know what? It's not all roses. Like I, I you know, I'm not going to yeah. sugarcoat the system. You know, there are some issues. Wait Such times as. are wait times are a little bit longer in in, in cases. What does that look? What do you can you can you be a little more specific about? Yeah. So emergency emergency medicine is always instant. Mm-hmm. If you need something instantly, you'll get it. Like if you're life or death, you'll always get it. Mm-hmm. It's say stuff that's a little bit less life threatening. Say you need a hip replacement, you may have to wait that extra month or so to get that hip Does replacement. Does cold hard loonies get you faster service in Canada? Not zero. There's so no you can't bypass the system like you can in the United States because mm-hmm. I know like you can go into any place in like uh, in LA and go to the best medical center and be like, "Yo, dude, I want a head transplant," and they're gonna be like, "It's seven year wait," and you'd be like, "Pull out fucking." Chris Woodrow Wilson $100,000 bills. They'll be like, how did you get these? I'd be like, bro, they're going back to the government. And then you get whatever you want. Nope. But let that, me... That doesn't no, go exist. ahead. No, no. And what? so that doesn't I, exist here. An interesting thing you said. So do you notice that the standard of care among all areas in Canada is the same? Because one thing that you said that ma- made me think is, you know, here in the U.S., like, depending on the area you live in, you may not have access to a really good doctor. If you live in a small town, like maybe the type of doctors that go to that hospital or don't have as much experience. They're just not as elite, I guess. And so you do kind of have to pay more to go to another place. Is it basically standardized in terms of the quality of care you receive, regardless of where you go? No, like you are correct in that assumption that you go to a small town, 12 hours north of Toronto, Mm -hmm. you're not going to have the cancer care center that you have in downtown Toronto. So yes, there is that issue. But if you want to get that care, you go to Toronto and a lot of times they'll send you to Toronto and pay for you to be in Toronto to get that care. So that, yeah. So in other words, yeah, you have access so, to it regardless. Yeah, so, so small towns, so you have a choice. Towns have that issue. So you have a choice. If you want to get out of your small town, you can One, go, yes. you can you have go a choice. to Toronto and get the cancer treatment that you need. Correct. You know, all the big teaching hospitals are all in Toronto, all that stuff. Because I've watched all these commercials on televisions in the United States where you see all these children that or, or, or people talking about how they're dying. And they're basically just ads for you want to live longer. You have cancer, too. And basically saying, hey, come to us like we could make your quality of life better. And it's like, why aren't you helping everybody this way if we have this ability? Right. And and. It's, it, it, again, coming from my point of view, 
And and the U.S. I think is very is there's not many countries in the world that have your type of system. Most systems are are We're universal. <laughs> most most systems are universal to to some point. Yes, our taxes are higher. I pay for it, mm-hmm. but I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, absolutely. What about um not to change gears, but what about education? I'm curious about your experience going going through the school system in Canada. Um you know, your thoughts on like the level of education you got, your access to higher education. I, I would say the education is, is, is the same on par is the same the as one, like public the, school system. In correct. The US. In the US, Bro, I'm in, Bo- I'm in Boston, man. You ain't the same as me, I, I, but here's, here's I'm the best in the fucking world. Cause we're Boston, bro. Here, here's the one we're thing Boston. We're the best. Different. We're the best. Boston is we're the, the best. best. It depends what part of Boston too. Except that we're stupid. And we gave away All right, Tom ben, Brady. Shut up. Let him talk. <laughs> here's, here's the one thing that I've noticed, you know, just my, cause I've spent so much time in the U S and, and a lot of my good friends are American. We learn a more global education. We study the world. Whereas I feel in the US, you study the US and that's it. Mm-hmm. You don't really go outside your borders. <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> I, th- it, it, I think it does. It, 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 it's- but why as a good, warm-blooded red American should I fucking care? About what's going up uh, up there in Canada with your fucking. I think you're, but you know what? Your I think your quality of life is better when you have a perspective of other. Co- it's not necessarily that you need to go no, anywhere. No, I want the Canadian but, you know. to, say, to answer. Okay, this, yeah, yeah. Go Siobhan. ahead. Sorry, the Canadian. So, needs to okay, tell so us. sorry. What was the question? I'm saying, why yes. as a good, warm-blooded yes. American, and that's not American. That's an American. Yes. Uh, should I give a <laughs> flying fuck about what's going up there? with you guys that put mayo on well, fries. the importance of global okay. education. Well, in other let, words. Let's not just talk about Canada. Let's talk about Europe. Let's talk about Africa. Let's talk about Asia. Why, why, why should you know about those other countries? Because our world is so interconnected. The broader your horizon, the better you will be. Yeah. And well, so when you went to to move on from that, when you went to college, can you talk about that? Was you went to school university in in Canada? Yeah, I went to school in Canada. So I grew up in Toronto, totally English speaking, very you know, it's like New York of Canada. Then I went to Montreal, mm-hmm. which is totally French. Mm-hmm. Um, Europe was French part of your education growing up, we like do. learning ha- that as a language. Okay, we do. We have to learn. We have to learn French. Mandatory. We're a bilingual country. We have to learn English and yeah. French. So it was great. Like I loved it. And I just, it opened up my horizons to like, this is a good way of life. Europeans know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. And was, was your college education, a university education paid yeah. for also by the government or was, it was, what's the it was very, like? very inexpensive. Yeah. They, they subsidized probably 80% of it. 70%. Okay. Of it. So you're only so, in and, debt and that's for the across next 20 the years. Exactly. My tuition was probably like 6,000 a year. Mine was like 6,000 like a week. (laughs) Yeah, no, but I mean, mostly subsidized though. I mean, that's, yeah, that's huge. It is. It is is mostly subsidized. There's a massive problem with student debt in the U.S. I mean, across the board. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We we don't really have the private system of schools that you have. They're all pretty much state. They all, you know, they're, they're all, they're all sort of on par with funding and stuff like that. There are definitely are some better schools, but they all get relatively the same amount of funding. Yeah. 
Oh, it's, it's so interesting. I actually went to a state college, so, you know, public, in other words. Yeah. And uh, I think the tuition for an in-state resident in the state of Michigan was like almost 30000 a year. And if you were from out of state, it was like $50,000 a year. Yeah. And that's like, you know, you're getting like public state educate, you know, college education. You know, you know just- the irony of my elitism is that I uh, exhausted my trust fund to not even get a college degree. <laughs> that's true. It's true. My mom's totally grimacing right now. She's so upset, but it's true. Like I, I literally wish I could go back and grab myself before I went to Northeastern for $40,000 a trimester, literally in 2000 and like, be like, no, no. Why don't you just take that and just buy yourself a Les Paul that's worth $40,000 and be worth a half a million dollars by the time we're talking about this again, because I literally was because my parents and I don't blame them at all. We're from a society where you went to school and you go to school and you get go to the best school that you can get into. And that's going to give you the best place to go. And now it's like if you go to Berkeley School of Music, which is, you know, two hundred fifty thousand dollar education, you're 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 probably not going to get any better of a teaching degree than you're going to if you go to, you know, Worcester State College. It's it's just up to you. It's literally up to you. And it's crazy the difference in prices. And even then, Worcester State College is ridiculous money by comparison to what you just said. That whole the whole university thing is is it's it's tricky because yes, it can pay off and a lot of times no it can't. But I feel I feel like how it pays off is the drive you have coming out of school. Yeah. And if you know how you, the world is how about you utilize hustle. it. Yeah. You got you gotta hustle. From day yeah. one. It also depends on which area you're going into. I mean, a lot of occupations and career paths, it doesn't matter where your degree is. None of the when they're hiring, they don't give a shit. They like yep. like you send your resume and they like skim past the well, education part and they look at oh, what do you know? What have you been doing for the past few years? If Ludacris taught me anything, it's to have hoes in different area codes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great song, actually. <laughs> Can we agree on anything, Canada? <laughs> Ludacris is one of the very, very best. You always need a place to stay whenever you travel. Oh my gosh! Well, Paul, uh, let me yeah. ask you. Let me yeah. ask you a question. Speaking of, we started with Canadian stereotypes. Do you have yeah. any uh, preconceived notions of Americans or American stereotypes, or just Canadians and what they think of Americans in general? Cue yeah, David Bowie uh, music. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so you know, I can't from, wait to hear from, from, an, <laughs> from an outsider's point of view. You know, you always hear Americans are very loud, <laughs> so a little bit self-centered at times. Accurate. Accurate. Yeah. Generally true. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, might not be the brightest bulb in, in, in the world stage. Also accurate. <laughs> but, you know, again, those are just stereotypes and not how I feel. No, but, sure. It's interesting. Yeah. It's funny how they're all negative. So wait, how do <laughs> you feel about not me? untrue. <laughs> but. I, well, I love you guys. <laughs> well, so what, where do people, uh, up in, uh, Canadian land, like they're where, how do they experience Americans if they've never been to America? So are they getting it just from pop culture and, and film, TV, movies, news? Like how, where is that, uh, image coming from? That's, that's exactly it. It's coming yeah. from, from sitcoms. It's coming from news. It's mm-hmm. coming from. So you think we really are Fuller that, House? It's coming from TikTok. Oh God! Oh my We're God! <laughs> so like, that's that's where it's coming from. TikTok blows my mind. Like I I've avoided it for a long time. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna download it. And I'm like, 
Does this your, is what's been going on all these years. Does like your hedgehog pe- have more followers than I again have? On no, Facebook? I'm like I I started an account, but I'm like I'm really afraid to even engage in Stop. it because it just seems like you yeah you just you, you either to have do. to immerse yeah like the, the incentives are to just like do all this like crazy kind of stupid shit. I'm like what what does this lead to? I'm not yeah. I'm not sure what the end. <laughs> The at end least having your account disabled is. and then finding a gun and being someone. No, but like, what would happen if all of a sudden TikTok went away and it like disappeared the, and then all, there'd be lots of something else. There'd be happen. another one that pops up. There'll be something else yeah, that comes. There I guess, but in terms of social media and and aspects like that, um, yeah. uh, amongst young people in Canada, uh, because those social platforms are borderless. Yeah. Uh, have you noticed, or is there a national uh, trend towards? Um, Americanization, uh, like stuff like that amongst young teens and kids that are on like the TikTok. Cause I, I know that there's people, you know, all around the world that can access this stuff. So are they seeing these trends and are, is it, are we, are we spreading the, some of, some of our, our maybe less fortunate culture outwards? You know what? I'm actually going to say that it's bringing other cultures other than American cultures in. Mm. I think it's bringing in more of a global perspective like you want to you want to look up fashion you want to have like a fashion stream that's not really coming from the u.s that much anymore right you, want, you know like when, when i've dibble dabbled in it it's it's been actually a little bit less americana and more of outsider influence so mm-hmm. because it because it is so global and and it goes by interest you search up what you want on interest. Same, same with Instagram and stuff. And you know, like they're they're by sheer volume, Americans are probably the biggest contributors to social media. Mm-hmm. Just by sheer volume of the amount of people that have cell phones uh, that could amount of people that aren't in school aren't working. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> there aren't a bunch sitting, of Chinese kids trying to get those sweatpants. tickets to the Patriots game <laughs> right. away from me. There's got to be more of those than and you know, than and, and, and ultimately it's all it's all al- algorithms. And what is curated? Yeah. What is curated for you? They, they, it's, it's hard to answer that question because right. you're, you're fed what they want you to see. Do you think MK Ultra is going to stop us at any point now? Who's MK Ultra? You don't know about MK Ultra? It's, it's, a, it's, an, it's an obscure reference to something that happened a long time I'm ago. It has nothing to do I'm with this conversation. That Paul doesn't know that. I, I don't like, know. Uh, no, okay. It was when uh, MK Ultra was the mind uh, experiments that the government in the United States did in like the 40s and 50s. And they gave random people acid. Okay. And they okay. did like uh, occipital lobotomies and all kinds yep. of crazy stuff and psychic and astral projection stuff. And it was the first time where actually Nixon admitted to destroying 160,000 pages everything from aliens and all this, but they admitted to doing all kinds of tests. Like actually when a lot of the, the doctors from um, the, the, the Nazis, like, you know, guys like the Dr. Joseph Mengele's mm-hmm. kind of people came back, the United States employed them. They're like, we got a job for you. It's working for MK ultra. And we're going to make you do weird shit to our people. And that actually happened. Yeah. I didn't know the name of that. I knew, I knew the operation. Mm-hmm. It's also a type of acid. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> and a song by muse. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. So here's a quick question for you guys. You know, during the pandemic, stuck at home, probably been exploring a little bit of music, music that you wouldn't normally listen to. Have you discovered anybody that you would be like, hmm, this is this is interesting. And uh, I wouldn't normally listen to this, but I kind of enjoy this. 
you uh i i wish <laughs> i wish that was the case it's i this past you know year or so since everything's gone down uh i think for all of us uh maybe not we haven't been in our usual routines but we've all been busy um and i can speak for myself saying that i haven't listened to a goddamn thing other than shit that i've been working on and i wish yeah. i would love to like listen and find new music and stuff but it's just uh that's a luxury that i have not had uh, and it's not complaining i've been very fortunate to, to be uh incredibly busy with the podcast with the Boy. band with everything going on um but but no I, I i aside from like every now and then i'll have you know i'll tell my uh echo to play like a new music or something and i'll let it go in the background i might hear a song every now and then and that just just a song and i'll make note of it but no my music discovery days are are, are far behind me at this point <laughs> Yeah, I actually, I'll say not not a specific artist, but I've spent, I mean, I've been really busy as well, but I have been taking like master classes and different like interactive things. And I started taking a class through Berkeley in Boston that's like electronic music. So I, I've yeah. started listening to a lot of like drum and bass, like heavy mm. groove style stuff just to get used to like writing. But I mean, no particular artist, but definitely trying to- Does it come to... with free ecstasy? Ha, <laughs> no, no. Makes it way more fun. <laughs> that's for the final. Betty, how about you? You're right for the final. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for me? Uh, well, so I'm I'm in the same boat as them for the most part, but like when the pandemic first started, like, you know, like and everyone was home and like, you know, we were all kind of like living atemporally, you know, like outside of space and time. And like the, <laughs> before you kind of knew what to do with yourself, I had just gotten uh, a new record player because I need to listen to the test vinyl for our first Lost Symphony. Um, record, which is actually our sponsor, LostSymphony.com, LostSymphony. Subscribe to 2020-D.com. Yeah, that's why we're all here. That's how yeah, we're all related, Lost, is, by is the Lost way. Symphony. And so one of the first thing I did when when I was younger, I was smart. I saw this happening. I went to my my favorite record store, a place called Albums that no longer exists, but was around for like 50 years. And they were selling records like um, for $1.99 a piece when they were blowing them out. And you really could go in there and buy like a hundred of them for like 50 bucks if you just like took a stack up and they'd just be like, whatever, take them. So I have like every Van Halen record, every Queen record, every Pink Floyd record, like yes, Journey. And so I haven't listened to a bunch of them. So I started going through those records and like I listened to Van Halen too from start to finish, which I don't really think I ever did that like on CD. I always had like mixes and stuff like that. Um, I don't think I listened to like, like, yes, I wasn't super into before. So like, I listened to a lot of these records that I hadn't heard in a long time and certainly not in an AB format. And I was able to critically Absolutely. listen to them. And that lasted for like the very beginning of the pandemic before everyone realized like you should pivot and do something else or figure out something to do with your time versus just <laughs> watching things on Netflix in, in, incessantly. So that's when I went back to working mindlessly with these two. I, I'll tell you a little bit of discovery that I came up with is that I was never big into electronic music, that type of thing, but I did discover Rufus du Soul, which is okay. take a listen. And you know what? Like it's very chill, down tempo, trippy, dreamy electronic music that, you know, reminds me of, it's not like Floyd, but it gives you that same feeling. Interesting. Okay. I would take a listen. And I, I like that. That sounds cool. Are you digging cool. this electronic class, Siobhan? Because I feel like I, if I was as talented as you, and I'm not even a monochrome of that, um, I would be like, this is so below me. 
<laughs> you know what? For me, a lot of it was about the production skills and just understanding how to use Mastering like, like so synthesis. it looks like a giant fucking square. Well, that, but also just like learning how to use the tools that exist like in the audio processing software because that's my weakness is like just under like being uh, like for me, so classes the are the best way. Yeah, the engineering side of it. But also it does. I mean, you're right. Like when we're musicians, like so much of our time is spent like I'm the same. I'm always working on music. And then the second I have free time, I'm listening to a podcast. Are you, are you going to cheat like on your final with Brock and have him? Because since he's so good. No, at no, he tries. He tries to get in. And I'm like, no, I want the point of me taking this class is so that I'm no longer you're dependent on you. Such an <laughs> asshole. To fix all my shit. <laughs> he's angry. But yeah, it's uh, no for me. A lot of it too was just being forced into being exposed to other genres. Because without like a deadline or like the the or threat of mouse. having a or or the threat of being graded on something, it's true. Like I just work on music, and then when I have free time, if you it's ever want to be inspired, Siavon, by electronic music, go watch the ma- first off. It's a master class by Dead Mouse, and he's yeah, I've watched at- it. Yeah. Okay, so I, I love this. I just, terrible. So he's sitting. Yeah. So he's sitting in this it's room with like terrible. This is a million dollars. Not particularly helpful. Yeah. I don't know what Literally any of this no, stuff. no information I, whatsoever. I don't know what any of this does. I'd play. A, I'd play a, a keyboard, but I don't really know how to. And it's like, yeah. oh my god, this is the guy that sells gajillions of records and puts a goddamn thing on his head that everyone. And he's got and the he's most Canadian. amazing studio. He yeah, doesn't yeah. do yeah. anything with. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. He no, figured it out. But, uh, but the, my whole discovery on that was working from home. I need to tune things out. So I was looking for something chill, down tempo, yeah. and I found it. Good to listen. One more time. What was the name of it? Rufus Dussault. Ruf- okay, I have to look this up because that sounds like my vibe because I like Pink Floyd and I, I love down tempo stuff. Down tempo, like classy not mm-hmm. bang 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 yeah, yeah. Did you ever listen like, to pink floyd with sid barrett because you know what it's not down tempo it, it was funny i was watching it the other day and the the live performance with sid barrett is a song called apples and oranges and i'm like wait a minute and it totally reminded me of like the flower people and spinal tap because they're sitting there and like <laughs> first off if you see roger waters in 1967 he looks like he's like neolithic like his his jaws like pointing the wrong way. Like he's and he's going apples and oranges, apples and oranges for six and a half minutes. And I'm like, oh my god, that's Floyd. And that yeah, they weren't always like you know like. Uh, Is there any? Let, let me let me ask you another quick music question. Is the album dead? Like where an album starts from? It's a story. Mm-hmm. Like where you have a classic album where you have a beginning, middle, like, end, and you can listen to the whole album and be complete. I'm going to answer this one because I remember when I actually went to camp, the first time I ever listened to an album like that, they played Tommy in our bunk like 20 times in a row, like I, it, incessantly. And like you were totally, like, everyone was like, all right, whatever. And we just kept playing Tommy. And if and I knew the whole record, it was like it was ingrained in my mind. And I was like, this is the most insane 73 and a half minutes of my life. And the first off, the answer is yes, the album is dead in the sense that like if you look at the billboard charts and like everything singles and nobody does that. But Lost Symphony, we functioned under the, under the premise that I guess our niche would actually prefer an album. So our mm-hmm. albums all have um, interludes between them. They all have... Um, sound design like they all have different themes that kind of lead into other things and they 
there is a distinct side A and distinct side B. And there's multiple times that we sat there in a studio, Corey and myself saying, if we add another minute to this, we may not be able to put it on one record. So like, um, you know, we are very cognizant of it. And I think that now it's becoming cooler to become an album person and like you see all these younger generations going out and spending 30 it's funny to go back and i bought kiss alive for a dollar 99 and now yeah. it's like 29.99 for the reissue and then 39.99 for the the actual shit shitty beat up one that i have that i bought for a dollar 99 and it goes to show you that like now it's cool to listen to albums so i hope I hope, and this is the premise that we function under, that there is a group of people that, especially with the insurgence of technology and headphones, because like, remember, like when albums started to die, it's because people had earbuds, MP3s were encoded, sound quality sucked. Now we're back to beats. We're back to noise canceling this. We're back to 43 inch, uh, you know, uh, fucking titanium, neodymium magnet things. So everything sounds good. So these kids actually have a discerning ear. So people are getting more into production. There are classes that are much more about discernment. So I absolutely think people are going to go back and go, why was Dark Side of the Moon on the charts for 27 fucking years? And if you go watch the video of how they made it, because there's a VHS out there about it, um, it's fucking brilliant. And it's so um, are antiquated by today's society because you could just do it all with like two plugins. And they did it all by plugging in different things and oscillators and crazy shit and taking drugs and fucking coming back and transcendental medicine and fucking crazy shit. And but it really people can't create that magic. And it's very hard um, to think it's very, very selfish to think that people are going to care about your record. But I hope that people do listen to a record in the same way that you're suggesting. One day, one day, I hope someday. On that, that was a note, long answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have an note, opinion about it. Yeah, clearly. Uh, Paul, thank you for for actually elevating our discussion on this episode. Yeah, <laughs> getting awesome us to, to more interesting to things than we would ever come up with. Oh, um, this has been this has been amazing, man. Uh, we we appreciate your time coming on. We appreciate learning about you and and your background and, and what you do. And what you do is is amazing. And uh, keep so it up. So cool, and, yeah. And and for anyone uh, up in Canada, check out was it W five? Is that you got it? And, and uh, on anybody YouTube, in the, anybody in the world could watch yeah. it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not to be confused with W9, which I use to make right. sure all yeah. of my doors are not uh, <laughs> noisy. Thank you if you guys want to endorse us. WD40. W- whatever. Yeah, W9, oh, W9 is the my tax fucking form. thing I send for my taxes. <laughs> See, this is my Tommy Chong thing. That's what it Maybe all Maybe you should back go to. back to school then. Yeah. <laughs> to university or to school? <laughs> Probably Thank school. you so much, Paul. Like, honestly, <laughs> Paul and I have been friends for so long and it's so good to like, to see you first off doing something so selfless. Um, you've, you've never changed your personality as far as like your uh, character and your depth of character. And you're always questioning. And like, we very much appreciate people demystifying, uh, things in this industry. And it's, and it's really cool because you know, um, I really think that you have a great perspective and our guitar player in Lost Symphony is from Canada and we do kind of have a thing that everybody up there loves um, hockey, which you've clearly displayed and you all have like the most even temperament and 
Like I could yell at, at, at Kelly forever. Who's like the greatest guitarist. He's like, yeah, man, that's cool. Oh uh, yeah, no, that's fine. I'm going to go teach a lesson. And uh, I was reading a book and my cat needs to be fed, but uh, I'll, I'll see if I have time for that. He says it's slower because I can't speak as slowly as he does. But like, you know, I really appreciate that you guys, if the stereotype's going to be smart, you know, mid-tempoed, uh, like really well-informed, then I, I'll take if it. You're guilty. Yeah. Then, you know, <laughs> thank you. Uh, all hail Canada. Is that like something I'm going to get like <laughs> shut down on the American, like on Spotify, like all, by saying all hail Canada? Listen, Canada hail sounds Canada. like a nice place to be. Canada. Sounds pretty Canada. nice. Yeah. <laughs> you're an honorary Canadian growing up in Michigan. True. Yeah. <laughs> Felt close enough. Yeah. You're like the taint of Canada. <laughs> That's what? lovely. On that on that note, check yeah. out 2020 2020-2020-D. Please and check out Paul Haber and his show W5. I say that as if it hasn't been around since the dawn of time, but we're just Americans. I know I can't so wait to watch some of these stories. Yeah. So exactly. go watch something that isn't Take like, care. you know, divisive. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Paul. Amazing. Thank you for listening to this episode of 2020. As always, visit 2020-d.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 51 featuring Paul Lorenzo, the drummer of Lost Symphony. Check it out. Friction makes good music. I mean, uh, there's been a, a million, right. Ask Van Halen, ask Aerosmith, ask the Beatles, ask the police, ask any fucking band under the sun. And there's, ask there's the Joe Perry Project. That, like, you know, they, they get along and, you know, sometimes they don't get along, but sometimes that's the best combination of people. And, it you know, things come out of it that wouldn't have come out of two guys who Wings. got along all the time. Well, that you know? explains True. a lot about Ben, because if anything describes Ben, it's friction in general. Yes. So. Well, that, I, my, I'm <laughs> ribbed for your pleasure. My quote about Ben is that <laughs> somebody said about somebody else, I don't know who it was, but they said that. This person gets the full range of emotions from me. And that's how I feel about Ben. <laughs> There's not a lot of people that get the full range of emotions from me. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast. A songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.